1. This program made possible by grants from Nemo Health, Speakeasy, TrackNet, and DocShop Pro. In just a moment, the program will begin. Well, John, episode eleven. I know. How are you? Good. It's it's hard to believe it's episode eleven, but it is. Yeah. Yep. the The time is flying. It, it is amazing to me that uh, it's gone this quickly, and we're on our eleventh episode, which means we got a lot to talk about, as usual. Yeah. So, uh, John, I want to talk a little bit uh, about. Uh, our special guest in a minute, but uh, there's a big change coming in podiatry. E&M coding is changing. And yep. uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, I believe it's changing for the better. And I'm sure our special guest will agree to that uh, for various reasons, which he'll probably tell us on his own. But as I was researching this, and I actually watched a, a, a video of our special guest talking about the ENM changes that he did, which is really, really good. But I came across something really cool put out by um, that horrible organization, the AMA. And basically, uh, what it is is a cheat sheet. It's really cool. Uh, it's got it all condensed into one little thing. I found it very, very useful when trying to do an ENM coding. And one of the things about ENM coding, as you may <laughs> testify to, is I would bet that 90% of physicians out there don't understand E&M coding, have no clue what bullets are, what they mean, where they are. Um, yeah. But this new system is going to be really, really good. But a cheat sheet is really good. I'm going to put it up just for a second, John, so our, our, uh, our clients, our, our listeners can see it. Um, this is a really cool cheat sheet. Uh, I believe it's free. It's just a link to some AMA site. I'll put the link on our uh, website, Essential Adaptation, so people can get to it and, and, and they can see it. So that, that'll be really, really good for them. Uh, and they can download it, do whatever they want. I have nothing to do with it. I don't like the AMA making money off of everybody. And you know my feelings about that. Um, so let's move on to what I, I, I want to talk about is email. I have got a ton of email, John, on Speakeasy as usual, um, and I want to talk just really quickly that Speakeasy is adapting to the new E&M uh, changes, so right. all of our, our clients will, will get that. So if you struggle with this, Speakeasy is, is for you, always positive stuff. But what I did want to bring up in email, John, is uh, I think the cat is out of the bag. Um, somebody has been asking me about this brand new book that might be coming out. <laughs> and uh, I didn't answer the email, but I hear there is this book that talks about the keys to success in a medical practice. You know yeah. anything about that? I, I think I have heard of that, Jeff. And I think it's going to be followed by a movie um, that, that, that people can see in the theater. <laughs> no, obviously, uh, you are talking about our new book that's going to be launched uh, very, very soon. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, so it is coming. Uh, uh, I will start not denying it now. There is a book that uh, John and I have been collaborating on 
of all the uh, multi years that we've been in practice and what we've seen and how we've helped people. Uh, talking about the keys to success, it's not what you think. It's not a book about coding or a book about just do this, do that. But it's a book about all the various legs of getting a successful practice and what makes a successful practice, what we've seen, what we've done. We'll, we'll have a whole episode on that, but I just wanted to stop the emails that I'm getting saying, okay, I admit it, it's coming. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, so let's uh, let's uh, not keep our guest waiting too long, but let's talk a little bit about our special guest before we bring him in. Um, so our guest tonight is Dr. Jeffrey Learman, which both of us know very, very, very well. He's well known uh, across the podiatric community and beyond the podiatric community. I'm sure he's also known. Uh, many people uh, uh, know him as uh, one of the I guess guru is a good word, I don't know. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable people on, on coding uh, in the podiatric profession. Uh, you quite often would see him standing at a seminar answering questions, people lined up like puppy dogs trying to get the answers to complex uh, coding questions. And he's very, very good at that. Uh, so we'll talk to him a little bit about that, but mainly I think tonight's episode, John, is about how does a guy go from uh, obscure, uh, obscure, but, uh, private practice, uh, and he's no longer in private practice, which is, is quite interesting. How does he do that and springboard out of private practice into the national spotlight and then, uh, becoming an expert on something and has his own consulting business? Um, yeah. He has all the credentials. I'm not going to read them. I guess the only important one is he's a colleague of ours and everything else doesn't matter. So uh, without uh, uh, concern, let me see if I can grab him and put him into this shot and uh, we'll bring in uh, Dr. Jeffrey Lerman. Yep, there he is. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure. Great great to have you here. Let's get the uh, uh, niceties out of the way. Uh, I put up uh, under your name, Jeff, who you are and then uh, your email so they can get a hold of you if they do. You do have a professional uh, uh, consulting business. Uh, you have all the background, uh, professional coder, yada, yada, you name it, you've got it. Uh, and you have the experience. So uh, I, I would assume professional coding means uh, that your company can help people with coding issues um, and consulting. You do other aspects, I guess, helping people in practice, correct? I just want to get that right before we start attacking you. Yes. Uh, coding, <laughs> compliance, documentation. So uh, if they're not getting it from and their organization or uh, any company that they affiliate with and they need more individualized one-on-one -on -one, uh, direction, then yes, they can use me for that. And that's, uh, like I said, coding, compliance with different regulatory things and documentation, helping them with their templates, cleaning up their coding. Biggest thing probably is internal audits where you know let me check your stuff before the bad guys check your stuff so that you are confident that everything's perfect and you know really the goal is that you can sleep well at night knowing if an auditor shows up on monday morning your stuff is perfect and that is a really nice feeling to have one of the things i want to get uh through some of our colleagues uh thick skulls which is always a roadblock to to getting help so first of all, what I've always found when I've done this and, and tried to help people, and then at the end when we're trying to help them during an audit, it's, it's not so easy. But a lot of people are kind of um, 
let me say, insecure about their notes. I don't want anybody to see how I chart. I don't want to see, I don't want anybody to see how inadequate I am. People need to get over that. We're all colleagues. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and nobody's judgmental, and especially in your consulting business. I would think that's, yeah. that's part of it. Just get over it. You're yeah. there to help them and yeah. just let it all hang out, including the ugliness. And yeah. it, that's the best part is if they can just get over that, you have a really valuable service. That's the oh. ostrich syndrome. Yeah, well, then, I mean, it doesn't shock me, but it kind of makes me sad to hear that. Uh, yeah, oh my gosh. So, for, of course, it's confidential, right? Like, if I were looking at your stuff, nobody else sees that. And there is zero judgment, none. Uh, if anything, it's applauding you for wanting to get it right. And if it helps, like you said, Jeff, there is nothing that we have not seen. <laughs> nothing. There is zero chance. If you think your stuff is bad, you're going to have the worst thing that any of us have ever seen. So my goodness, if you're listening to that and you fall into that boat, don't let that stop you from getting help. People like us that do what we do are never going to judge or share, you know, with anybody. Not at all. We just want to help. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's a good way to put it. Um, so before we get into your opinion on, uh, and you can tell that I have no opinion on anything, but before we get into your opinion on the E&M changes that are coming, I want to talk a little bit how, um, how you made a transition from private practice into a different type of business, although related to podiatry. Because I believe, and I was in practice 29 years, John, you 27, 28, 29, and that also. At some point you start, I don't know how to put this politely, you start getting freaking tired of what you're doing. And um, uh, it's not as if you don't like your clientele or your customers or your patients. I mean, that's all part of it, but there's all these other things that come into it. The documentation, the rules, the this, the that, the lack of income as it gets reduced. And at some point, I think a lot of our colleagues would say, I'd love to jump into a different business that I, something I knew about, but you made that transition. You went from a private practice, which now you're full-time in, into the consulting business that you're doing. Um, talk to us a little bit about how you made that decision. Well, I do still, I am still in private practice, but just one or two days a week at somebody else's practice. And mine Mine was less that I wanted a change and I wanted to get out of full-time private practice and more of meeting a need. Uh, it, it, and it worked for me well because it happened gradually. I think it would be much more difficult to one day say, I'm stopping this tomorrow and I'm starting that on Monday. Mine happened very slowly and very gradually. It built over time and there was a, a huge unmet need that I encountered. And I, I'll be very honest with you, you, John will get mad when I say this because I, I was really doing something wrong for a long time where I enjoyed providing the education and I was mm. putting stuff out there. But then what started to happen is people had questions and they would Google me and they would find my office, my medical office where phone calls are coming to treat patients. <laughs> and I would come in uh, you know, to, for a busy office session three messages on my desk of people that I don't know <clears throat> who had coding questions <laughs> and they Googled me, they found my office and <clears throat> what I was doing that was wrong is I was getting frustrated and it took me too long to say, 
there's a clearly a need here, right? And don't be mad at these people. They're not doing anything wrong. They're just looking for help. But at the same time, if I'm going to spend three, four hours a day looking this stuff up and using my education and expertise and stuff to answer it, there's value in that. My kids have to eat. <clears throat> so, you know, that that's what kind of pushed me to do it. And then I would be not complete if I didn't say the, the, the final push came when Harry Goldsmith had a very untimely death. Yeah. that we didn't expect. And he and I had always talked about me maybe eventually having that position, but we thought we were much, much further away from that than what mm. we were. And, you know, he had a big role with the APMA and I did not replace him. I would never say that because nobody could, but that position needed to be filled. And I wanted that because I love doing it. So for me, it was more about meeting a need and it was, well, I still loved what I was doing. Uh, I still like doing it. I like doing both. Uh, so it was more of meeting a need and it happened gradually over so time. So that, that's actually the uh, uh, way most people do it that we found is they find something that interests them. There's a need for it. And they slowly make a transition to see, is this going to work? Can I actually make a living doing that? while I'm still doing my other job. So you kind of have these two jobs crossing over. And fortunately for you, both your jobs intersect. So there's a reason why both can support each other. And you're not financially just cutting it off, like you said, okay, I'm just gonna do this. And, and not knowing whether you're gonna have an income enough uh, to do that. So that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty common theme, wouldn't you say, John, that, okay, well, let me try. Yeah, unlike what you and I had to do eight years ago, <laughs> which, you know, I, I loved practicing, but uh, obviously we had an emergent situation with the previous owners of TrackNet, right. and we really had no choice to fulfill that calling of, of just uh, re resigning from our private practices and taking on this to help our colleagues. So, Jeff, that's amazing. I mean, it's great that uh, that you were able to do that and evolve to where you are today. That's wonderful. So, Jeff, I have a question. Um, you know, given your expertise now and and uh, your areas of coding and compliance, and in fact, uh, we use Dr. Learman in the yeah. uh, in the in the development of Speakeasy as a consultant to help us build all the LCD verbiage that speakeasy contains. Jeff, what do you see um, as the, the most prevalent pitfall or caveat, mistakes, if you will, that our colleagues are making, either in their coding or in their documentation? Is there a common theme or a most prevalent mistake? Yeah, it's documentation. And we... We didn't set this up ahead of time to to uh, uh, to feed the speakeasy concept, but that's what it is. And there's errors in coding and there's errors in documentation, but the important thing is the errors in coding, right? You don't know that might lead to a delay in payment or not getting paid, but that you can fix after the fact, right? You can resubmit. Yeah. Can't change. You're not supposed to be changing your notes. Once, once you push that button, right? Once it's locked. So it's the errors in documentation. More so, it's just not knowing the rules, right? Like I hear so much of, well, how am I supposed to know? Or where do you get all this from? And it's not knowing the right source. 
and way too many, all provider types. This is not a podiatry thing. And they base it on, well, I heard, or my residency director always said, which that, that's not an official source for this, right? Uh, or somebody said at the water fountain at the conference, whatever. And that's what they're basing their life's work on. And it's crazy because yeah. it's important. And this may not be popular, but for those that say, I just want to be a doctor, that's part of being a doctor. If you want to be a doctor in the United States and accept payment from third-party payers, that's part of the deal. You have to know the steps to put in a lag screw and you have to know how to do this too, unless you outsource it. So be careful with the, I wish we didn't have to worry about it. And I just want to be a doctor. That's part of being a doctor, right? If you're a mechanic, you need to know how to change tires. And if you're a doctor running your own practice and you don't outsource this to somebody you trust, you have to know how to do this too. So the answer to your question, John, of the most prevalent is not knowing the rules and as a result, not following them. That's a great point. Great yeah, point. It does. So let's uh, let's go into this new E&M change uh, that we began the show with, because I'm interested in your opinion, which I probably could guess what it is. So we know that E&M coding changes uh, as, as of the first of the year based on uh, uh, medical decision-making, I guess is, is a way to put it, instead of all those crazy little bullets that we used to have to figure out. I'm not saying those bullets aren't important and I don't really care about them. We're all going to document them because we're all good doctors, um, as, as you made clear in your webinar. Uh, but uh, importantly, what do you think, how is this going to help us? Because I, I think it does, but I'm interested in your opinion. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. So there's lots of ways... Uh, I'm going to be a picky coder just for the listeners. It's not, it, it's important to say office and other outpatient ENM changes because all of the other ENM types are not changing. So hospital ENM, nursing home ENM, home visit ENM, we still do that. Starting mm. at, as we record this in December, starting January, we will still do that the way we do it now. What's changing is only office and other outpatient e &M. So our 9920 codes and our 9921 codes. Those are the only ones that are changing. Efforts are underway to get the other ones changed yeah. also, but not yet. All right, so so how does it help us? The first is we, we don't, in order to determine the level, we no longer need to count how many systems we reviewed, which is great. We no longer have to count how many exam bullets we perform, which is phenomenal. And... Uh, the other reason it helps us is it's easier to determine your level. And finally, for those that specialize in one part of the body, like podiatrists, but this is not just a podiatry thing, right? ENT, hand specialists, there's tons of people that this helps. For those that specialize in one area of the body, our path to higher level ENMs is now much clearer. And whereas today, we might have a visit that in every other way is a level five complexity, time, decision-making risk. But because we don't have a couple boxes checked, we can't code that as a level five today. That changes January 1. So it's good that it, 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 is, oh, it is. You're agreeing because I, I, I looked at this and I said, oh, my gosh, this is just going to be a lot easier, a lot clearer. However, it's not. Uh, documentation doesn't go away. And that I need to emphasize that because yeah. 
people think easy they think oh you know i'll just do one two liners oh. no 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 because the matrix is very clearly defined what has to be on that piece of paper or in the electronic chart yeah and yes and there are a couple things that will need to be documented that i think most of us are not currently documenting in the whole it's less that we have to worry about but there are a couple it's a small amount but very specific things that we will need to document january 1 that i'm guessing people are not documenting today to name one for example if you choose the level based on medical decision making and and to be clear we have the option mm -hmm. we can choose it on medical decision making only or total time only right. if you choose in a medical decision making only one of the things that needs to be considered is the risk level and there's four options uh and if you choose the level based on medical decision making you must have that documented that for example there is low risk associated with that encounter and if you don't document that you may be relying on somebody else's interpretation which is not what you want, I would suggest. Uh, so, I mean, it's one sentence. It's easy. It could be built into a template. But I think it's something most people are not documenting today. So one example. And there's a couple other small things. So, the so Jeff, I have a question. I have a question about the time component. Yeah. Um, if you're relying on the time component, do you need hard-coded data to prove the time or does my documentation of that time suffice documentation of the time is fine so for for those listening if you don't know one of the options is to choose the level based on total time and that is total time spent by the doctor that's a very common question right now nobody else doctor time spent that day it has to be that calendar day spent doing anything in the care of that patient. And uh, it does not say anywhere that you need to document how many minutes you spent reviewing the x-ray, how many minutes you spent doing a history, how many minutes you spent calling their spouse, right? You can choose to. Uh, however, it does say you need to document the total time and what you spent that time doing. So, and I think what you're getting at, John, is some people are asking like, you know, some of our electronic health records have a timestamp for when they arrive and when they leave. No, because if it's not breaking down waiting room time and staff time versus doctor time, you can't rely on that. It's what's in the note uh, of how much total time was spent that day and what you were doing during that total time. So one of, one of the things, John, and I always, always put this out because this came from an audit once I was helping with. So some of the genius colleagues we have out there figure, okay, I'm going to see X amount of patients and they yeah, did all yeah. by total time. You add up the total time, it's more than 24 hours in a day. So don't be a freaking moron. That's, that's all. I'm just going to put that out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and an even less ridiculous example would be, uh, you know, 30, you know, it, it adds up to, it adds up to 12 hours, but, but, there's cameras everywhere. A lot of us badge in and badge out mm -hmm. or, you know, parking like don't. Yeah. It's yeah. too easy to get caught. Don't say yeah. you spent eight hours doing something that only took you four hours to do because yeah. it's not cool.
Okay, so let's. Uh, I wanted to ask about that PPE thing again because um, we've talked about it before, John. Um, nine nine zero seven two. Seven two. Yep. Uh, some payers pay it, some don't pay it. Uh, we know Medicare doesn't pay it. What are you seeing across the country, and what's your advice on it? Yeah, so some are paying and some are not, just like you said. So the AMA CPT editorial panel makes the code without any consideration of payment. And then they release the code to the world and third-party payers can decide to pay or to not pay. Some are paying, some are not. Uh, Medicare is one of the third-party payers that is not. So that's a big deal because that's the biggest third-party payer, of course. But some are. And some are paying well, like into the teens, $12, $13, which is awesome. Uh, so if you're providing the service and you document your provision of the service, that's important. Yes, I suggest coding for it. And if you get paid, great. And if you don't, then then it's a payer that doesn't pay. Yeah. Excellent. It, Jeff, uh, just one follow-up on that. It lasts until the crisis is gone, or does it last forever? No, that's an important point. So this code may only be used during the public health emergency. So uh, the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services is who declares we are under a public health emergency. And that started January 31, I think, or 20-something. And it, the, that declaration lasts for 90 days. They keep re-upping it because this nightmare keeps going on. Uh, as we record this in December of 2020, uh, but the day the Secretary of Health and Human Services says the COVID-19 public health emergency is over, then we can't use that code anymore. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, John, time is flying. So, uh, which means that uh, we're getting close to the end of the program. So, Jeff, anything else that uh, you think we didn't cover that we should? Now would be the time uh, to talk about um, anything you want. We have Dr. Learman's contact information on the screen. It's Jeff. been up the entire time, uh, just in case you can't read it and, and you have trouble, because we do broadcast. This also is a uh, podcast on Apple, so it's not visual, but it's visual for most of our, our clients that go to the website and can watch it. But in case you can't, uh, Jeff has a, a, a company uh, just happens to be named after his last name, Learman Consulting. It was just a coincidence. But you can reach him at Jeff Learman at LearmanConsulting.com. Very simple, very easy. Um, if you don't, uh, if you don't know how to spell any of that, go to our website, Essential Adaptations. At this episode, I'll put his name and contact information so you can just see it uh, visually if if you need to. So um, I can't believe how quickly time flies because I didn't get to ask you the the real deep questions. Uh, about what the hell are you doing in Colorado? Because <laughs> that's that's uh, winter, baby. That's obviously, he's trying to mimic Pink Floyd based upon his backdrop <laughs> there. It, yeah. I'll tell you, it it's awesome here. We it was uh, it it really is awesome. You know, people. I don't know. It gets a weird rap with the weather. I think most just don't know what's going on here. It is. It's magnificent. I get it's December, whatever it is, and I'm my my 
one of my kids is outside doing school with a short sleeves and a, and shorts oh, on. on. It's <laughs> no, it is. If I turn the camera around, you'd see her sitting down there. Wow. Uh, it's beautiful. It's, I don't know. You know, my, my, my wife went to undergrad here. We lived in Philadelphia for 20 mm-hmm. years. I lived there for 40 plus years and she pushed to come back for 20 years and she kept, and and a lot of it was weather and lifestyle and man living outside instead of living inside yeah. is it is life changing, especially with little kids. Like we're in this nightmare. My kids have to do school from home, but she's sitting outside and she can do whatever she wants. Nice. That's one of the biggest pieces of advice that John and I always give to graduating residents. The the question is, where should I practice? The number one rule is, where do you want to live? That's the first thing in my mind, because if you're not living where you're not happy, you're never going to be happy and you're going to hate and regret what you're doing. So choose where you want to live first. And then you will always find an employment or always can open your offer. So whatever you need to do, you can make happen. So obviously... the, the second piece of advice, Jeff, is always listen to your spouse. <laughs> yeah, that's which why is I'm really stuck. how I. That's yeah, why I'm which stuck is really here. how I ended up here. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm stuck in Michigan, and, and, and <laughs> I listened all right. So, um, so we have a puzzler, uh, Jeff. You want to hang, or you want to you want to jut out? Either way, it's up to. Yeah, of course. Okay, no, so, I want to see what what the puzzler is. Okay, so uh, uh, let's uh, let's get to that. So here's where I need an engineer. I'm hopefully going to put up something that says puzzler on it. Let's see, please, please. Yeah, that didn't freaking work. Boy, oh boy. Damn. Come on. Now, no. Jeff, this is where this is where all the good curse words come out now. On a live podcast. I'm getting there. It's hard to deal with this. I am getting there right now because uh, uh, it works during rehearsal. All right, it doesn't work. So basically the puzzler, so what I'm what I wanted to put up is if you know the answer to the puzzler, you have to send us an email at uh, info at essentialadaptations.com. So everybody should know that. But we're going on a, a holiday theme today. And basically, the holiday theme is going to be um, Christmas movies. And one of my all-time favorite Christmas movies is um, It's a Wonderful Life. And if you remember this movie, it's Jimmy Stewart and Lionel Barrymore and Donna Reed. And it's all about Jimmy Stewart wishes he wasn't alive because things are going really bad in his life. And then an angel comes down and hears his prayer and they make that happen. And it's a great, great movie. I watch it every year and my wife says, you've seen that already. How many more times do you need to see it? So uh, the premise is, is really cool. Um, it's not what that movie is about. The question I have as the puzzler, which is really tough, is what fictitious town does It's a Wonderful Life take place in? That's a tough one. Unless That's you're a tough one. Unless you're a movie buff, I, I knew right off the bat, and it's and I'm sure John, if if we were talking about uh, other movies, you know them, you know dialogue out of movies, and we all have our favorite movies, favorite Christmas movies, um, and I was, it was, it, it's going to be a tough one, but first one in gets our valuable prize pack, as as we talked about last week, our prize pack, uh, didn't we get John Doc Shop Pro to donate an X-ray machine chair? And one, and one of those Swift units. They did all that, and nobody guessed it. So that's the way it goes. Look at, look at Dr. Learman's face. <laughs> so the week before people guessed it, they got, you know, a speakeasy mug. 
<laughs> so yeah. you just never know. <laughs> Jeff, we're just kidding, Jeff. It's Oh my God. You said chair. I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> Jeez. No. A chair. So um Okay. But that so, is a tough that is a tough puzzler, Jeff, because as I sit here right now, I don't know the answer to it. I think those um I think you, you've just demonstrated your age by, <laughs> by knowing the answer to that movie. Um, you know, because the youth today, their Christmas movie is Die Hard. You know, so that's, that, that's their idea. I, of I don't understand movie. this. How the frick is that a Christmas movie? It has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> okay, well, Explain that. It's a violent movie. Come on. Rudolph would never tolerate that. What do you, what do, you do on New Year's Eve without Lawrence Welk nowadays? <laughs> I do a wonderful, wonderful things. <laughs> I used to watch Lawrence Welk, so shut up. As a I kid. figured. I figured. <laughs> hey, come on. I uh, Honestly, I was talking to my brothers the other day, and I am a TV movie nut. When I was a kid, that's all we did. You know, we had no internet. You had nothing to do. God, I wasn't athletic, so we watched TV. You name the TV program, I can tell you the plot. So yeah. that was our pastime. Unlike kids today, they have to think, they have to use their imagination, their minds. We had TV, I, Channel 2, 4, I, 7, and 50. Come on. I go as far back as Guy Lombardo from New Year's Eve. Prior to that, <laughs> I have no recollection. All right, that. so here's what I'm going to do for the puzzler. Um, I know it's a tough question, and we may not get answers. So place, place B, the secondary question, will be this. During this entire interview, we talked to Dr. Lehrman, and he told us he lives in Colorado. What city did he live in before that? That's all I'm going to say. That'll be the B. If nobody gets A and somebody comes in with B, we'll allow that as the winner. I'm not saying what the prize pack will be. You know, sometimes there's a T-shirt involved in it, not as valuable as the mug, but sometimes there's both. We just don't know. And just so you know, Jeff, all of our guests get a prize pack. We'll send you a mug t-shirt all that kind of stuff oh, they're out of x-ray units so you know what kind of <laughs> and treatment chairs <laughs> okay so um uh we're almost out of time so let me do a summary so uh basically uh we had uh, a great conversation with dr lehrman who has transitioned from full-time practice to part-time practice to consulting business also where they intersect he does both uh, the foremost expert, we could say, in podiatry on coding. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind uh, that you're more versed than most people. And uh, uh, that says a lot because there are a lot of smart people in podiatry. Um, he helps out the APMA, Coding Resource Center, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, he's living in Colorado, living the life of leisure, uh, where they don't tell time there. They just wander around and go skiing and come back in and decide if they're going to have a granola bar or not. I know how that works. Uh, so <laughs> and we came to the conclusion that the E&M coding is a good thing for podiatry, and uh, people need to learn it and understand it and document it um, for sure. And the last thing we learned is, John, you are coming out with a new book uh, that you've been very secretive about. And uh, uh, maybe we'll send Jeff a copy if, if we ever get that thing out, although it's really close to being out. We're just picking another month. We're just another picking month. covers right now. So uh, yep. we'll, we'll see. So, gentlemen, episode 11 is under the belt. 
Uh, thank you both for staying up late and, and getting this done. Uh, we had, as usual, our usual technical difficulties, but I, I, think, I think we made it. So thank you both. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks for having me, guys. Right. Thank Alrighty. you. Bye-bye.